The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus went in, went in the Mount of Olives. But early in the morning, he arrived again in the temple area. And all the people started coming to him. And he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and made her stand in the middle. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? They said this to test him so that they could have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and began to write on the ground with his finger. But when they continued asking him, he straightened up and said to them, Let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he bent down and wrote on the ground. And in response, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. So he was left alone with the woman before him. Then Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She replied, No one, sir. Then Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. I'm sure when you walked in, he's visually you're wondering what's going on today. Well, first of all, if you notice, the statues are all covered in our churches all throughout the world. All of our statues are covered on this fifth Sunday of Lent. And the reason why is because when you return again next, next Sunday, is that we begin the holiest week in Christianity. This is the heart of our Christian faith next week, as we begin Holy Week. And we'll begin, when you arrive, you'll, everything will be decked out in red. And we'll begin Palm Sunday. The palms just arrived the other day, so the palms are here We'll bless the palms. We'll actually begin Mass outside and we'll reenact the triumphant entrance of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. When the whole crowds gathered and the palm branches welcoming as a conquering king. And so we'll reenact that next Sunday, which marks again the beginning of Holy Week. And the reason why the statues are covered traditionally on this day is that it's supposed to invoke a sense of loss. A void, emptiness. Why? Because part of Holy Week 
will we hear how Jesus will be killed. And just like any of us who have lost loved ones, what happens to our heart? There's a void there, isn't it? Emptiness. And so the covering of our statues all throughout the world and our, and our churches today is to invoke, I have lost someone I have loved. And so the covering of our statues. So get ready. Holy Week's upon us next weekend. Huh? And then secondly, the reason why there's, there's a screen there, we're going to watch the latest Spider-Man movie after Mass. <laughs> no. As I announced uh, last weekend, and it's been the bulletin for the past couple weeks, we're going to do our annual tradition. It's an annual Catholic appeal. And so the bishop always, they will always produce a video each year highlighting the ministries that the annual Catholic appeal funds. And so after my short homily, we'll play the video. But just a brief, a brief homily. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, each of us as Christians, as baptized sons and daughters of our, of our Heavenly Father, our mission in the world, our goal, is to lead people to Jesus Christ. It's to help them through the holiness of our lives, our witness, our teachings, our liturgy, our mass, how we live, we are called to lead people to encounter the love of Jesus. That's our mission, every single one of us. But what do you think is the greatest obstacle for people from encountering Jesus Christ? What is the biggest obstacle? And, and you know, praise God, I've been a priest now over 10 years. My gosh, when you say it out loud, it's, it's crazy, huh? Life goes by so fast, by the way, doesn't it? What I found is that the greatest obstacle isn't so much the intellectual arguments for the existence of God, by the way. In fact, the arguments for atheism are actually quite weak when compared to the arguments for the existence of God. I mean, we don't have time to, to highlight God's existence today, this morning. But head to head, compared to the arguments of, of God's existence, it's, it's, it's weak. Especially when you study the arguments for both sides. But in my experience, the greatest obstacle that people have with God is something from the gut. If God exists, why do I suffer? I often hear. Don't we hear that? If God exists, if your God is so much Compassion is so much, so much full of love, as, you, as we Christians say. <clears throat> oh yeah? They'll, they'll respond? Then why does my three-year-old nephew have cancer then? Tell me that, Father, if your God is so loving. Oh, I hear that all the time. Writing the 13th century, St. Thomas Aquinas, when he outlines the five proofs of God's existence, then he attempts the other side to argue, and we call it steel man, I mean, I mean strengthening the opposite position. And he says in atheism, the strongest argument against God's existence actually isn't, isn't, rash, isn't intellectual, rather. He says, we call it in theology, the problem of evil. He says that is the strongest argument against God's existence. And oh, how we all feel it. And how now, as Christians, do we answer that? It's a great question. 
And it's all rooted with how, as Christians, we interpret the world. Remember, we see past the surface of things as Christians. We have a biblical worldview. We don't see the world the same way that everybody else does. Now, I want you to look at it through the lens now of the cross. What happens on the cross? Here is the answer to the problem of evil. God allows suffering, permits it, in order to bring about a greater good. You see, why this argument is not convincing for many is because we feel the pain. We feel the suffering. We witness the the tragedy of existence. But then now look at that through the lens of the cross. What happens on the cross? The cross is the most horrific event in human history. That's the cross. What happens on the cross on Easter Sunday? The greatest act of human violence is redeemed and transformed to the instrument of human salvation. Right there is the biblical lens. You and I now are called to usher in through our own little way to alleviate the suffering of the world. Imagine this. I'm a visual person, so I always, I always try to con- have God's conceptions with, with, with analogies and, and images. Imagine walking into a small room packed with people. So you walk in, say you go to a party, you walk into the room, the room is packed with people. I guarantee you in that room, we have no idea what people are carrying. The weight of their suffering and their pain. In that room, it's it's packed with pain. With people, even though they're smiling, eating, happy, joyful, absolutely. Don't get me wrong. You walk into a room and it's packed with people. There's a weight of, of unsaid pain there. Now, when I walk into the room, the question I ask myself, do I add to the pain of that room? Or do I help the pain in the room? From my experience, whenever I live for myself, whenever I focus on myself and care only about myself, I add to the pain of the room. I make it worse when I live for my own selfish, egotistical desires. I make the world worse. One of my favorite authors today, he says beautifully, and it's a striking image. He's not even a Christian, yet he's leading towards Christianity. But he says, each and every single one of us, we have the ability through our actions to either tilt the world closer to heaven or closer to hell. I said, whoa, that's a a striking image. I have the power and the ability. I do. When I walk into a room, I have the ability to move that room closer to heaven. Or if I'm a selfish jerk, I move it closer to hell. There is tremendous suffering in the world. And as a priest, I am privileged to 
to be a part of it, to help it in some way. And sometimes it can be suffocating and overwhelming. Just last week, Greg, from Manny's funeral, many of us know him because he's the only funeral parlor in town. <laughs> he came up to me telling me about a situation because I was over there for some parish business. And he says, Father, a 29-year-old mother was tragically killed in an auto accident recently. She leaves behind four children. The father, I, could, I didn't get details, but the father's not in the picture. Youngest is two, oldest is nine. And I said, what happened to the kids? Where are they? He says, oh, their they're grandparents are, they're now in their 60s. They're trying to raise the grandkids now. This family is poor. We've, done, we've given them all of the discounts that we could, and the community raised a substantial amounts because they couldn't afford the funeral. And they said, there's a remaining balance of $960. And before you can even finish the sentence, I said, give us the bill. Send it to Holy Family, 108 Taylor Avenue. <laughs> Send it to us. Why? Because I didn't want to add to the pain of that room. We can't fix their problems. These four little babies are now going to be raised up not knowing their father or their mother. And heroically, their grandparents now will raise them. Praise God. But all the suffering that they're going to endure for the rest of their lives, it's, it's, almost, it's almost unfathomable. But we have the power and the ability to move that family. Tilt it closer to heaven. Why was I able to do that? Because last year you gave to the annual Catholic appeal and that $960.53 comes directly from the donations you gave to the annual Catholic appeal. I had the ability and the confidence to tell Greg, Greg, give us that bill, please. Express mail it to us. I want to pay it off. And it's on behalf of the Holy Family Parish, on the Catholic community of this area, let us move this family closer to heaven. Now you're going to see a video, it's a short video, highlighting the, the ministries that your money will go towards if, if you give. 50% goes to the charitable arm of the Catholic Church in the diocese. 25% goes to Catholic education, help paying Catholic kids tuition, helps the formation of our future priests, and the remaining 25% comes back to us. So that when I encounter horrific stories like that, I can say I can do this little thing, and I'll let Jesus do the heavy lifting.